Great editing is imperceptible. It should be subtle, seamless, and it shouldn't distract the listener from being absorbed in the content. I posted on Instagram back in November of 2020 about something a client said to me. They said they didn't really know what feedback to give on the edits because they couldn't tell where they were. And that's exactly how it should be. Good editing is inaudible. If you can't tell what's been edited, you're doing something right. So to help you achieve these stealthy edits too, let's look at some of the common mistakes people make when editing a podcast and how we can avoid them. Firstly, there's the speed of the edits. We've all seen YouTube videos or Reels or TikTok videos that have super quick edits, cutting out all of the breaths and leaving no pauses in the cadence of the person speaking. This is a great technique for creating engaging, fast-paced content and getting across a lot of information in a short time, like in a Reel or a TikTok video. But it doesn't sound natural. If you're recording a podcast, chances are it's going to be longer than a real or TikTok video, and it will probably have a more natural feel to it. So let's leave those short, snappy edits to the video platforms. A surefire way to tell that a section has been edited is that there isn't a natural pause or breath between sections. Speech, like music, is rhythmic, and like music, it has pauses. These pauses help the listener to understand the context of what is being said and also play a role in conveying meaning. We pause for emphasis, we pause to take a breath, we pause to imply punctuation. It's an integral part of speech. So when a section of audio has had all of the pauses cut short or a mistake has been cut out and the pause in that cadence hasn't been accounted for, this sounds unnatural. When you're editing a section, make sure you leave space between sentences, pauses in lists where there would be commas, and if you have deleted a whole section, listen to that new cut between sections to make sure that there is appropriate space and breathing room. As a rule of thumb, where there's a comma, there's a pause. Where there's a full stop, there's a longer pause. And where there's a new paragraph, there's an even longer pause. Pauses are a part of speech, and they make information easier to digest and understand. Now, related to this is cutting a word or a breath short. Another clear sign that an edit has taken place is that a breath has been cut short halfway, or that a second half of a breath has been included just before a word starts. This obviously sounds unnatural, and is very obvious that an edit has taken place. And the same can happen with words. If you delete a section, make sure that you're only deleting that section and not trimming the beginning or ending off of a word. This is especially important with words that have longer sounds, like the F or V at the start of a word, or a consonant at the end of a word, like think or thought. The only way to really make sure you don't make those mistakes is to listen to every cut you make. When I'm editing, anytime I make a cut, trim a section, whatever, I'll skip back a couple of seconds and play from there 
so I can hear the new edit and hear if it sounds natural or not. You may want to remove loud breaths completely, so it's important to listen to those sections and make sure you've completely removed the breath and as before, left an appropriate pause if relevant. However, it's worth noting that another mistake people make is to remove too many breaths. A piece of audio without any breaths can sound kind of suffocated and claustrophobic. Our ears are used to hearing breaths when a person is speaking, and although our brain doesn't normally register them, it may register an absence of them. I'd recommend, unless a breath is distractingly loud, to leave it in. Next up is volume discrepancies. When we are juggling different regions of audio, could be jingles, adverts, intros, recorded at a different time to the main body, it's normal for these to be at different volumes. What isn't normal, however, is listening to a podcast where the volume of different sections is jumping all over the place and you keep needing to adjust your phone or computer volume to compensate. This is a clear sign of a bad edit and is pretty easy to address. I place all the different regions I'm working with in the main window I'm working in, Logic Pro in my case, but perhaps Audacity, GarageBand, Audition, etc. for you, and I try to match the volumes roughly. I then do the editing, I add any post-production tools that may need applying, and then at the end, I listen to the transitions between regions again and adjust the volume if necessary. The reason for doing it again at the end is that some processes like EQ and compression will change the output volume of a track, so it may not be the same when you finish compared to the initial mix you did at the start. Another way that volume can be an issue is when we have background music playing and it's either too loud or too quiet. There should be no trouble at all, no strain or concentration required to hear what is being said in the vocal track. If there is, it's either too quiet or the music is too loud. Similarly, if the vocals are clear but the music is so quiet that it's indecipherable or sounds like a mistake, then it's too quiet. This is really a matter of trial and error and keeping an eye on the overall loudness to make sure you're not clipping. Another area I find is a clear indicator of editing and actually accentuates the problem more than it solves it is to do with background hiss. Of course, the best way to get rid of background noise is to address where it's coming from in the recording process, but that's a separate episode. In terms of editing, many of the recordings you work with will have some level of background hiss. It's completely normal and can often be dealt with simply with a noise reduction or denoise plugin. But if the noise is persistent and difficult to get rid of, someone may opt to use a noise gate or just delete sections where the person isn't talking. This seems intuitively like a good idea. If they aren't talking, why include the hiss? But it causes a problem. Every time the track comes back in, when the person starts talking again, the hiss or hum is reintroduced and the listener has to get used to it all over again. In this case, rather than have background noise cut in and out, I'd opt for doing your best to minimize it and then just leave the rest in. Our brains are good at filtering out useless information, and listeners will quickly get used to a low hiss or hum and won't notice it. Whereas our brains are also good at noticing new bits of information, 
and a hiss that cuts in and out will never go unnoticed. And finally, a mistake some people can make is to not let their ears rest. To illustrate why this is important, I'll explain about an experience I had that I posted on Instagram a couple of months ago. I edited an audio course for a client. There was no music, no guest track, no adverts, no stingers to insert, just a dry vocal track. The client was quite specific about the edits they wanted, so I was listening very critically to the track, and pretty soon my ears started to feel dull and suffocated, unable to pick out details and differentiate sounds as well. This is called ear fatigue, or listener fatigue, and it occurs when you listen to an audio source for a long period of time or at a high volume or pay particularly close critical attention to it. People report different symptoms, tiredness, becoming distracted, and what I experience, the loss of sensitivity and nuance to your hearing. It doesn't necessarily cause any long-term damage, unless you're listening at a high volume for an extended period of time. It feels similar to when you stare at one spot for ages and you lose your sense of depth and everything starts to look two-dimensional, or when you say a word over and over again and it starts to lose meaning. How this is relevant to this episode is that when fatigue sets in, you can start to miss the things I've mentioned previously. Your ears will get used to a slow, creeping volume you won't notice that you've applied too much compression, or you'll get used to that hiss that could be eliminated. Someone who has come into your podcast to listen for the first time won't have that ear fatigue, and all those mistakes will stick out like a sore thumb. Ear fatigue is a common phenomenon for music producers to experience, and it's well understood that some time away from the sound source is important to reset your ears every now and again. Just like staring at a computer screen, Take a break from listening every so often when you're in a big editing session. Editing your podcast is not only a lot of fun, it's actually pretty straightforward and you're in complete control of the finished product. Sure, it is time consuming and there is definitely a learning curve, but look out for some of the obvious mistakes I've mentioned here and you'll be well on your way to editing a professional sounding podcast. If now you're feeling inspired to start a podcast, I have some more tips to share with you on how to create a really smooth finished product. I've been a podcast producer for a number of years, and in that time, I've edited hundreds of hours of audio, and podcasts I've worked on have been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times. I've seen the same mistakes, problems, and issues come up over and over again. I've helped clients overcome the same hurdles and seen them fall into similar pitfalls. And because of this, I'm now able to share some suggestions and truths with you that I've gleaned from years of experience working in podcasting. And I've distilled it into 25 points, each explained simply and clearly in a paragraph or two. It includes why a bad recording can't be fixed in post, how more planning time can mean less editing time, the relationship between equipment cost and quality of recording, how quality content is your most valuable form of promotion, and much more. It's completely free to access. All you have to do is follow the link in the show notes and enter your email address. As with most of these freebie kind of things, you're getting the resource in exchange for joining the Podfarms mailing list. You can of course unsubscribe at any time, but I encourage you to stick around because I won't email you too much. And when I do, 
it will be with useful podcasting resources and opportunities. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope it's given you some valuable insight and information to help you along your podcast journey. To find out more about The Pod Farm and what I do, follow on Instagram or YouTube at The Pod Farm or visit thepodfarm.com to check out the podcasting courses and how The Pod Farm can help you start a successful podcast. See you next time.